Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to What A Load Of Cobblers, Friday Night Lights and Northampton Town Audio Show. I'm Tom Reed, and in a week dominated by the European Super League, I'm joined by three fellas who will never break away from their beloved Northampton Town. It's Andy Bodfish, Martin Maloney and Ian Brunt. How are you doing, guys? You OK? Hi, hey, Tom. Andy, been enjoying the sunshine today. Have you got a football moment of the week for us? Yes, I have. We'll, I'm sure, discuss at greater length later how the, the masters of the universe are actually just idiots. At the end of the day, sometimes. I mean, sort of on, on, on the pitch, there was a moment that caught my eye from the Russian Cup this week when a, a chap called Bernard Berisha, um, who's a, a Kosovan international playing for um, Akhmat in, the, uh, in Russia, Russian Cup match. He's a bit of a Penenka specialist. Um, so, you know, runs up, dinks, keeper often left with egg on his face. But um, this week, the keeper just stood still. And um, I, I'm not sure the last time I saw that, where a chap just tries a Penenka and the keeper just stands there and, um, yeah, you're left exposed. You're trying to be clever, mate. You're wearing <laughs> white boots. Just put your laces through it. Don't try anything ridiculous. Yeah, keeper just stood there, um, literally rooted to the spot. Um, and, yeah, just caught the ball. And it was just a, a wonderful moment that these um, these fabulously talented people... Um, they're all human, and I like to see that. Did uh, what did how did his teammates react to the opposition? Um, to be honest, well, I didn't see the whole clip because obviously it was it was memed up. Yeah. Um, by 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 the end of that hour, um, so I don't know, but um, I imagine there was there was general mirth on both sides, really. Can't um, imagine it went down well with the. Uh... Of the attacking side and especially the manager, I suppose he wasn't just hauled straight off. When you mentioned Masters of the Universe, I thought that we'd signed uh, He Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's one for all you youngsters out there. Uh, but yeah, it's sometimes good to see players that do that uh, get their comeuppance. I guess they should do like a thing for the worst penalty of all time. Have you, can, have you got a penalty that stands out, Andy, that you can remember? That's well, like, that was up there, to be honest. Because yeah. um, the name. Um... Uh, rung a bell with me because um, he's like I say he's a Kosovan and I, I, I did the Kosovans last month yeah um, so I was like I was all into Kosovo and then they lost two matches um, and I don't like them anymore uh, now now they're rubbish <laughs> um, so um, 
Yeah, I mean that 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 is up there actually. Um, I mean, you're talking about dreadful. Does anyone ever remember seeing a Hugo Sanchez penalty for Real Madrid where he 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 does a run and he basically goes out for a throw, more or less. <laughs> Seriously, Google it. Um, from about 1984-85, I've just I've not seen it for a few years, but yeah, I always remember that as a kid. Runs up, slices it. Um, dreadfully and it pretty much hits the corner flag wow this is hugo sanchez one of the all-time great goal scorers yeah again just a reminder that every now and again you know they just they do something human perhaps he should have scissors kicked it because that's how i always think of hugo sanchez goals oh, as he was a master at that wasn't he just master. Kind of like, it seems crazy to think of someone having a penalty and it going out to touch or just going out to the corner flag it's Honestly. some shank that is uh, that is, it was an incredible, incredible shank. <laughs> We've been slagging Sam Hoskins off, poor lad, and Hugo Sanchez <laughs> missed penalties. So you probably know. did that Dean Thomas penalty that Martin will remember as well. Probably in that bracket, as where they cleared the hotel in roof. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. That's so going, isn't it? Dean yeah. Thomas at the hotel end, Mark Richards in the last minute at Walsall. The best penalty misses are the ones that go out of the ground. <laughs> <laughs> So did the Dean Thomas one actually really go over the hotel end? Well, do you know what? I would have been at that game, but I'm ashamed to say I don't actually remember I, it. I don't think you could have cleared the hotel end without trying. Walsall's <laughs> a little flatter, I reckon. it. I, I, if it didn't clear it, it certainly hit the roof of the stand. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Deb, the originator of Wallach, um, she talks about that one as well. I think she was there for that one. So that was obviously... Just like imprinted on Cobbers fans' memories, Dean Thomas. If you're out there, mate, you haven't lived it down yet. Um, Martin, <laughs> I've noticed obviously the weather's getting much better now. The pitches are starting to, you know, move into summer. Forts are turning to baseball. Give us the latest baseball update from Northampton. Um, so we're um rapidly approaching the start of the season. Uh season to start ninth, ninth of May. Yeah, out. We're having some work done at St Crispin's. Um, drainage there has never been right, so um, it's a place we share with football in the community and Gregory Celtic. And I think we won't we won't play any home games till June, but we've um, jiggled things around. We're going to go to Norwich for our first ever visit there, um, first game of the season, and um, loads loads of new players and youngsters getting involved. I just keep seeing our what uh, our sort of Facebook advertising and that and. Seems to maybe having a year of kids being locked in and probably discovering a few different sports and a much better media team than when I was in charge of media. Um, I think we're really making some connections. So, yeah, it, it's good. It's good. We've got team, a few new teams on the horizon as well around the region. So, yeah, it's um, it's good times. I've been very busy with that. I've, I've not really kept an eye on football. Not much happened, I wouldn't imagine. <laughs> no, nothing happened this week. I, think <laughs> I didn't think so. Quiet, quiet week. <laughs> I guess with baseball, especially on a local level in England as well, it's not really a massive hotbed of baseball. It's just, it's just a nice community sport and it's a nice uh, sport to bring through some homegrown players and some to get kids involved. It must be pretty good. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a some sort of fledgling professional European league, which all looks a bit sus to me, if I'm honest. Um, yeah. I think there's a team based in Bristol and a UK team in it. But, you know, ultimately the success of any sport have you got youngsters coming up playing it? You know, bloke, you know, blokes in their forties and fifties playing it, trying to win trophies. You know, it's um, been the bane of our sport and probably other minority sports as well. But 
when you see you know young, young lads and lasses of like six, seven, eight coming up hitting off a tee, that's what gives me the um the optimism that you know we'll we'll keep growing the sport. Mm. I just hope that the Northampton Centurions won't ever bro- go to a breakaway baseball league, Martin. You know, you <laughs> we sort of have we have broken. Baseball is okay. riven with with splits. Uh, we're sort of semi-independent of the national. Well, we actually are independent of the national organisation now, and we split without. We did used to play in a central division in the in the Midlands, um, but we kind of went our separate ways. We're now playing the east of England. So, yeah, it's it's splits, but not really over money. Often just over geography and um, just what works best for us. Fair play. It's, not, it's good to hear that things are going well, and I'm sure you'll. When things open up a little bit, get a few people down to watch it. Um, have you got a football moment of the week, Martin, for the small amount yeah. of football you've watched? Well, as I, as I say, quite quite a week. I haven't seen much. But um, I think there are two, thing, two things for me. One is Gary uh, Neville's rage and passion about the, frankly, wonderful shambles of the attempted ESL. And we'll talk about that later. And I think... There's a lot of whataboutery, you know, as soon as someone's passionate about something, well, he didn't say anything there, he didn't say anything there, and it's a, it could be a great excuse for saying no, nothing. But to see that man always create a rallying point for people's anger was fantastic. And just the general, every bunch of football supporters um, of all the English English clubs, sod, you know, the rivalries and that, they didn't want this, and they made their feelings known. And even, I think I was reading the Guardian comments about it, and... I think uh, an Indian Man United fan said, look, I'll never get to watch United. You know, I'm not like you that live around the corner. I said, I still support Magic. He said, I'm against this because I get that football needs fans. It's it's what football's about. And it's, I think if this, the whole week has just um, upped the level of debate and sort of thought about what's our sport for. And these buggers will come back again. I'm just reading Johnny Lou's latest bit in The Guardian and these buggers will come back and they'll be better organised with it next time. And, you know, I, I'd like to think there's going to be some very punitive punishments to, you know, for them because, you know, one of the great things about football is it's one sport across the world. Um, there's loads of money involved. So you can see that these people will try and do stuff. So there's got to be consequence for them. Mm, I think with Gary Neville, it's very easy to you know, critique Sky Sports and say people on Sky Sports aren't really looking after the greater good of the game and Sky Sports has had its own huge effect on the imbalance in football via the uh, satellite subscriptions. But Gary Neville has put his money where his mouth is. He's got together with Lord Treesman with the um, the manifesto they brought out and wanting the independent regulator. So Gary Neville, I do believe he talks from his heart. You know, he's involved with Salford City, which is another... Question, I guess he'd ask, argue that that's a community club to an extent. It's got financial backing, but they are trying to keep things sustainable and they're trying to grow it in a way that they, they, they see fit. But just, I guess sometimes you do need those rallying cries from somewhere and that seemed to, you know, get the ball rolling and other people got involved and stuff. And we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute. We won't get too involved in the European Super League just yet, but um, I agree that Gary Neville is, he just seems to be a, fairly rational sort of thinker on football. It doesn't really stick to party lines when maybe he could be a bit more what's the word, um, a bit more uh, guarded working for Sky and wherever else he works for. So, yeah, that was a good one, Martin. Um, 
we'll go into that in a minute. We'll, we'll, we'll continue on the European Super League, probably talk about it for hours. But uh, Ian, how are you doing, buddy? Have you got a football moment of the week? Um, Tuesday night, I'll just say, pretty, pretty impressive, wasn't it? <laughs> um, and, and, you know, kind of carrying on with this football family, now everyone in football loves each other all of a sudden, apart from, like, you know, the most powerful people. Um, it was nice, like, I just got all these messages from people I haven't spoken to for a long time saying, oh, great win for Cobblers tonight. <laughs> it's just bizarre. It's like, people do really keep an eye out, you know, for 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 their local club. And it's nice yeah. that they kind of make an effort to, to think you as well. But And also, like, you know, sort of away from the playing side, this thing about, I know we're going to talk about all this stuff, but this thing about um, kids not being into football, I just, I don't, yeah. I just don't know where anyone's got that from because, I mean, I've played now. I played on Tuesday night now, uh, Monday night, sorry. And I like, I think it's four or five weeks now since we've been playing again. And like, there's kids, like, every, there's us old men, and then there's just every other pitch just full of kids. You know, I walk through my local park, it's full of kids or like lads in their teens or like early 20s having a kick about. So, yeah. <laughs> young people, like, what's their, what's their favourite sport then? What, what are they into? Like, I know, obviously, you do get into other things, but. I'm telling yeah. you, like, it's just such a, it's such a myth. So, and, it, and it's good to see, you know, like Martin said about the young, young kids playing baseball, it's always good to see like kids getting into sport and, and activity and stuff like that. Even like, you know, like, like I've got kids myself and he's, they, they, my lad loves like going to his little sports club he goes to before school. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah. And for people just like to say, <laughs> to bring that as a, a thing to like justify you know where that came from, Ian? That came yeah. from Mr. Um, who, what's he called? Um, Real Madrid. Um, Andy, you might know. What's the, the, the president? Perez. Florentino yeah. Perez. So that came from Perez, who someone said reminded them of Mr. Burns to an extent. Uh, <laughs> that came from him looking and probably got some advisors and they're like, wow, kids are into, you know, TikTok and stuff. They've got no patience anymore. They ain't, they're not going to watch football on TV. But kids do still like going to football, playing football. They're not maybe not consuming it in the way they did in terms of the old satellite model, which is funded football and probably threatens clubs like Real Madrid if they're not doing it. But kids still like football, and you're right. And I find it really rich that you corporatise football and make grounds all seater and completely sort of um, what's well clinical and devoid of any culture and any um, atmosphere. And then you say, well, kids don't like football anymore. Well, maybe kids w- would like football like we like football. We got into football. If there was a thriving, you know, atmosphere and a thriving culture and a thriving fan environment to go into, because that's what attracts people to yeah. football. And that is what people like him have, have ruined um, it for. And yeah, then they I, say I, kids don't like football anymore. Well, you've, you've done that. T- t- totally right. I, th- I think probably, I mean, there's many sort of, um, sort of you know, sort of spider legs go off the... The, co- the core um, catastrophe of the European Super League. You talk about it all night. Um, but, I mean, one of them was, you, 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 OK, the, oh, the American venture capitalists. OK, it's a, it's a money machine. Um, but your Agnellis, who have been involved with Juventus for um, time immemorial, and Florentino Perez, basically president for life at Real Madrid, and they're coming out with this. It's like, my God, you know, I mean, OK, sort of not excusing it in any way, but OK, you've, you, you've committed to um, sort of venture capitalism, basically ringing every last dollar 
every last way you can monetize football. Okay, you're down that path, whatever. But coming out with, I mean, it's like Ian said, coming out with this absolute nonsense. I mean, do, do they believe it themselves? Mm. I mean, Florentino, Florentino Perez, I mean, are you really telling me that that guy thinks that about, did he just read a GQ article? Yeah. You know, a couple of months ago. And he's said, oh, we could turn that into a pretext. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. you, the Glazers, okay, whatever, venal people just in it to make, you know, millions, in it for the dividends. Okay, it's disgusting, but okay. But Florentino Perez, you know, president yeah. for life of one of the biggest, many would say the biggest football club in the world with all that history and heritage and mm. all the rest of it, you know. Do you even believe it yourself? Do you need to see a doctor, mate? You know, looking at your age and so on. Do, do, do you believe this stuff yourself? Yeah. But it's, it's indicative of that, that vacuum that they live, these guys live in. So they'll they'll be on a WhatsApp, yeah, probably not on a WhatsApp group. God knows what Florentino Perez will use as a carrier pigeon or like some sort of like <laughs> personal liege to take messages to people. But they'll be saying, oh, you know, Kids don't really like football, you know. We need to shorten games, blah, blah, blah. And they, most people would be saying, wouldn't they? Most people would be saying, this sounds a bit strange, mate. I'm not sure about this. But it's just people like patting each other on the back and saying, great idea, you know, and they all buy into it. Well, it's, it becomes a bit like the Emperor's New Clothes, doesn't it? When you've got people in different sort of power relationships and people don't want to upset the person above them. Yeah. And they know what they want to hear and they sort you sort of play to the crowd. And unfortunately, you know, and you see this... You, you know, if you, in business and in different industries, it can it can be it can be a disaster for injuries because really what you need are critical friends saying, oh, now football ain't dying, you know, maybe just put a bit of pressure on um, UEFA to, you know, put that rule in that says if you have a crap season, don't worry, you can still qualify. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, do your little incremental things, but you know, people get excited about stuff like this, and it's um, I think it reflects that they're poorly advised. Um, it's just you know it was I mean for it to collapse as quickly as it did was bloody brilliant the atmosphere at work was just fantastic you know every couple of hours something's (laughs) happening you know oh Chelsea could be out Chelsea could be out I think City are not far behind and you know the reaction I think from players which is difficult because they're employees and and coaches um, has been I thought really good yeah Mm, I'll just for any listeners that maybe haven't heard the minutiae of it or the, the basic premise of it. I'll just quickly reel off what it was about. Uh, came Was it Sunday night it was announced? Just at the last, like, 10 to 11 or something like that. Like, quite late, wasn't it? Was, yeah. Well, I got I got in the car. I was I was, I was got in the car in about five-ish and I put five live on to see what, what game was on. And they were saying, this is an extraordinary statement that La Liga, the Premier League, the FA, UEFA have all released, basically condoning this thing and, and saying how you know, there'll be like punishments and blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah, they, they released a statement at, I think it was half 11 on a Sunday yeah. night, which was a great start, wasn't it? When you when you market, you know, when they're all European teams, let's release a press release when everyone's gone to bed on a Sunday night. That's a, <laughs> and, and, with, like, with the the logo. And, and yeah, and the document, I mean, like, it looked like, it, Perez's PA like knocked it up on like Photoshop. The, the logo and everything. I mean, is everyone seeing that? They've all, we've all had that WhatsApp with the the like the the Super League logo and like the 
sort of clown car fanfare behind it. And it's kind of like a modified version of the Champions League. That that logo is actually better than the one, the real one that they came up with. It's like... <laughs> yeah. So, um, I just, yeah, I just quickly read out what it was all about. Um, the clubs involved were, obviously quite a few have dropped out now, AC Milan, Arsenal, Atletico Madrid, Barcelona, Chelsea, Inter Milan, or Inter, Juventus, Liverpool, Man City, Manchester United, Real Madrid and Spurs. There were to be 20 participating clubs with 15 founding clubs and a qualifying mechanism for a further five teams to qualify annually based on achievements in the prior season. So that means of the 15 founding clubs, they would be pretty much permanent members and therefore represent a close shot. They're pretty much in, in it. In perpetuity. Um, midweek fixtures with all participating clubs continuing to compete in their respective national leagues, preserving the traditional domestic cal- match calendar, which remains at the heart of the club game. Now, I'm just reading this off of their statement. I don't agree with this. And um, the fact that... Oh, they I, thought still want... I thought you'd be all for it. This will be right at Tom Street. This is what he's been campaigning for for these Tom, years. Tom Reid, <laughs> voice of the European Super League. Um, yeah, obviously, and when we've talked about this in the past, I think we've actually mentioned it ourselves. They all keep calling it a breakaway league. It's never a breakaway league because they want their foot in both camps. They want to be in the Premier League because they know that if they leave completely, people are just going to get bored of it in about two weeks and they're just, they'll be out on their own. So they want their cake and eat it. So it's not a breakaway league at all and it should never really be called that. Um, just quickly, an August start with clubs participating in two groups of 10, Playing home and away fixtures with the top three in each group automatically qualifying for the blah blah blah. Yeah, still. Uh, five billion had been committed to the new project by the American bank JP Morgan. Now, I don't know about you, Andy. It, when I'm thinking about the romance of football, it always goes hand in hand with JP Morgan. <laughs> Big time, yeah. But it's just this whole idea that um, you can imagine. Florentino Perez, you know, sort of becoming aroused. JP, JP Morgan, right? Just, oh God, yeah, the dollar signs and well, that's it. Money just steamrollers everything. Yeah, you know, you know we we could we we can we can ride out. Um, you know, we can ride out a couple of days of this is dreadful, but you know, let's order the champagne. That's just a. I mean, the, the venture capitalists, I, I sort of get, but it's more, I mean, well, Agnelli has been, that's, that's has, has, has been after this for a, for, for a few years. But, I mean, Florentino Perez, I mean, Jesus, you know, Real Madrid. But, yeah, but, but the thing is, I mean, from what I can gather, like, like one, these venture capitalists, like you said, you know, when you said the masters of the universe, they're not actually that bright. Well, they're not actually, a lot of them aren't in that position because of any talent. You know, like the Glazers, they inherited that business from their dad, didn't they? Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, as I was saying to um, to someone this week, you don't have to be sort of, um, I don't know, sort of <laughs> murdering people off the turnpike to be a to be a psychopath, you know. So psychopaths wear suits and walk mm. amongst us, but, and that is yeah, exa- I, and that is and that is exactly what these people are at the end of the day. Well, I mean, uh, once you once you've sold your soul to that extent and you really don't give a toss about anything other than enrichment, then I imagine the world is a fairly straightforward place. To be quite honest, 
It's it's mm. it's it's the sort of binary opposite to ignorance is bliss in a way. Yeah. It's a different kind of ignorance. Mm. But goodness me, the world must make sense when you give not a shit about anything, but just having a slightly bigger back garden than the billionaire next door. You know. But like, but like you say, Andy. Like I mean, these guys were these guys like the Americans were just kind of well, you know, we run profitable NFL. Um, franchises we want to we've owned these Premier League clubs for all these years and we're not always guaranteed a profit unless we win whereas in the NFL you kind of are so how can we create that that's what they were after Um, I think I heard um, I was listening to another podcast earlier where Gab Gab Marcotti and his the French guy is on with they described Man City and um, and Chelsea as they just jumped on because of FOMO fear of what they might miss um, and um, yeah. so they weren't fully in, in on it. And then from what I can work out, the Spanish and Italian clubs, they're just absolutely skinned because they're so badly run. So they're the yeah. ones actually run, you know, they, they, they were the ones like us where um, where they did grow up watching football and they did grow up with the, the football calendar as it is and having to, you know, having to qualify and, and get into where you are based on merit. But because they're so skinned and they're so desperate, mainly because they run the club so badly and they pay the players money that they haven't actually got coming into the club, and it's obviously the pandemic's played a huge part in it as well. They they were just that's that's been the driving force behind it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Did you see the? Um, Amen. Absolutely. Did you see this thing on Twitter? And not just the uh, the framework of it was completely critiqued, but the the clubs that were trying to get in on the act. So obviously Tottenham who aren't putting up any trees and various others. And someone said on Twitter, Spurs trying to get in the European Super League is like me turning up, turning up to the Crucible and putting 50p on the table. <laughs> yeah, and saying it's yeah. That's one of the best ones I've heard. <laughs> yeah. 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 Totally. <laughs> so it's not just, there's so, there's so many problems with it. No, you know, you, you don't know where to start. But I guess the heartening thing for me was, actually, we'll get onto it in a second, that, you know, it hasn't gone away. And, you know, even the Champions League reformat is not particularly great. So, you know, Trojan horses and stuff like that. But what was heartening for me was the, the fans' response because I, I've been critical of British fans in the past, not having much solidarity. Maybe that goes into wider socio political issues with working class people in England without getting too heavy. But they did stand up. They were stood you know, did stand up and be counted, even if it was only like 100 Chelsea fans outside Stamford Bridge, 200, 1,000, whatever, um, and various other clubs, they have sort of said, you are taking the piss now. We've taken all this corporatisation of the sport and we've just sort of done it in good faith, saying you hopefully have got the, you know, good of the club at heart, people like Abramovich and whoever else. Eventually, I, I think they just thought, you know, our club is literally being ripped out from underneath us with this. Um, I saw the banner about we want our cold nights in Stoke or something, which sort of yeah. gets to the heart of everything. The connection to the rest of the football pyramid is going to be ripped away, and just to right. play, to play in Europe, in you know, continually. Tom, Tom, can I just say when I saw all this yeah. news was coming in, I was thinking of you, mate, because this yeah. is just stuff you've been banging on about for years and years and years, as long yeah. as I've known, yeah. and you've been kind of yeah. howling into the wind, and now yeah. in, in within forty-eight hours of this announcement, which 
you know, everyone can have these ideas in theory. And like the, the Liga president said, they talk about these things in the hotel lobby, in the bar at 4 a.m., don't they? But yeah. when it comes to reality and it clashes with reality and real people, then, then the, the, you know, that's when they get the real response, isn't it? But the, the thing is now you've got Boris Johnson talking about the, the German model and having to review the game. That's what you've been asking for, isn't it? Yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to, you know, blow my own trumpet. But it, it, in fact, actually, a lot of the stuff that Cobblers fans were poo-pooing in, in quite significant numbers, like, uh, I, I, like you said, in completely on vogue now and in, in sort of quite, quite standard thought now. So, but, you know. That, you know, um, supporters trust getting invited in, onto, like, the news and radio phone-ins and being really listened to. And, like, you know, it wasn't that long ago. It's not just our supporters' trust where I've seen fans going, well, who are you? You don't speak for us. All of a sudden, oh, they totally do speak for us because they're elected and the, the, the yeah. FSA are getting involved in it all and everything like that. You know, you've got yeah. Prince William and Boris Johnson, like, <laughs> within 48 hours, basically saying, yeah, we need a review of the game and fans should come first and, you know, fans groups, they're the ones you should listen to. And I kind of think, you know, if I revitalise that, and not just that, the fact that it might come back, well, if it comes, if they threaten to do it again, then, like, good, because we can go back to this, like, 48 hours we've just had where everyone just tells them, again, to just piss off, can't we? Yeah. <laughs> and it also, it, um, you know, the public meeting that the, the Trust had, that was all perfectly straightforward and, and the right thing to do and it's been proved it's been vindicated not that it needs vindicated but I was speaking to my father about this whole thing this morning and we're talking about 50 plus one and how you translate that to Britain and we can talk about that in a minute but um it's just a case of trying to work out what what is best for you know English football and I guess uh, I'll bring you in on this mind a bit because I know you're uh just uh, sort of a bit of a thinker on the game as well. Do you do you see this as a, a turning point or do you reckon it will, you know, fall back in a few weeks' time? I'm racking my brains for a, for a phrase that used to do the rounds in, in left-wing circles in the 20s about sometimes things don't change for ages and then so many things change, like in, in you know, almost the blink of an eye as, you know... Um, struggles and such like happen i can't yeah. can't quite get it but i think there's a this this whole thing has galvanized people into thinking that some things are beyond are beyond the pale you also have to have something so terrible proposed to think yeah. actually i really care about some of the things Ooh. about the game that aren't just what goes on on the pitch um so i <laughs> I think it's opened up conversations. You know, when you hear the likes of Boris Johnson sounding really reason, reasonable about football, it, you know, it's you, you sort of you scratch your head a bit. And you think, well, yeah, some things are that, you know, that, that ridiculous that even you know, a pot, posh bloke who's way over his head in a in a in a top <laughs> job gets it. And I think what will definitely be there is there's different conversations about football now, whether or what it leads to, I don't know. But I think we're in a better place than we were before all this broke. And that that's a good a good thing. I mean, I I think I, I I've looked a bit at the you know 50 plus one model you can have from the off, which works. 
you probably can't impose it when people own football clubs. Um, that that's probably beyond what to be able to do. But I did see something around um, one of sort of things about season ticket holders and saying, well, actually, yeah, you could have things about moving clubs or entering new competitions or withdrawing competitions that would have to be a majority of season ticket holders, and you know, retrofitting some sort of democracy or um, supporters say into um, privately owned clubs would feel like a a step forward. So I think there are things on the table and in play now, I think, that weren't a week ago. And I think on our side, you know, as, as supporters and people believe in a kind of, you know, in, in football being a, a game for the people, mm. it's it's a good time. It's a good time for us. Um, and, you know, we just have to be conscious that these buggers will be back and they'll be back better organised. I think with the 50 plus one model and Boris Johnson's alleged interest in it, Boris Johnson is supposed to be in the party, you know, the Conservatives are supposed to be in the party of business and the markets and all this stuff. The problem with an unrestricted free market is it almost always ends up with corruption. It always, always ends up with malpractice and damage to reputations and stuff. And that isn't good for business. The Germans are really smart. They do have a tradition of, you know, funny involvement. And it, it's, it's, it's quite complicated the way that... 50 plus one came around but german clubs are very good at keeping the tills ringing they don't want uh things affecting their business they don't want clubs going out of business and you know tarnishing other ones they just want to keep the money flowing and they have huge revenues in the bundesliga maybe not as big as the premier league but they don't have crisis clubs lower down they don't have various problems so really boris johnson should be looking at 50 plus one and saying look this is actually a better way of keeping the industry of football ticking over in a healthy way, rather than this continual boom and bust problems, the debt mountain in yeah. the championship. So although it seems like, why would Boris Johnson be interested in 50 plus one? Because it just seems anathema. In fact, when you look at it deeper, it's actually, you know, actually a healthy way of running the sport and therefore keeping I'll money. Tell you, I'll tell you a better story to listen to on this. I was watching a snooker the other day and Barry Hearn was on. <laughs> and he was kind of talking about what, what they were talking about. Like Hazel Irving was in Tunio and talking about what a success he'd made of world snooker. And then, you know, you can add that to darts and pretty much a lot of other things he's been involved in as well. And he was talking about the snooker and he kind of did allude to the, the Super League as well because he said, all these players are here, they're based on merit. And he said, like, we will bring in new formats. We're always trying to bring in new young fans to the game. We'll do things, but we'll never forget to listen to our fans and what they want. And he said, we might have 50 million people watching us in China now. And one of the reasons they, they watch is because they love like, the traditions of the game. And that's why I'll never move the World Championships from the Crucible. You know, And the players will always come out dressed the way they are. And it's always going to stay like this. Because you know, no matter what new innovations I bring in, and prize money and all that, I'm never going to forget the basics of what the fans actually want and, and to listen to the fans. And you're thinking, you know, you're going to get some new competition up and running to try and get revenue out of people. Like, why do they have someone like that involved in the game? You know what I mean? Like, surely there's room for both. Surely there's room for, like, new... Gary Neville said it as well, hasn't he? You should do new competitions and new innovations for the game and all that if you want to increase, you know, get more viewers and sell more, like, streaming rights or whatever. But you shouldn't have to alienate. You know, it's like I was saying to my mate, it's like the equivalent if you said to... Federer, right? You're only going to play Djokovic and Nadal now in the tennis super league, and it's going to be a dome in Dubai. In a dome in Dubai, 
and you're never going to get to play in Wimbledon and it, again he's just not going to look, do it is he dream up those schemes um we're kind of like well of course they will because of the money and, and you and you and you can't reason with people that think that way really and, unless you're sort of a, a collective football you know community as we've seen this week because that is kind of yeah there'll be some bad pr and whatnot but just think of the money they'll be earning so that will trample over everything well as we've seen no actually Mm, I think the Chinese thing is not so straightforward in football, though, because football hasn't got like a a Barry Hearn to keep things, you know, keep things in place, keep the traditions going. When when you know money starts coming in from these sort of brick countries with you know a lot of money and stuff, that it, the, the traditions and just things seems to be much more pliable in football. And I don't know if the Chinese did have any role in the European Super League, but it wouldn't surprise me if they had an interest. Well, you've got, a lot, of, you've got a, lot, a lot of liquid capital um, in China mm. and you've got famous old clubs run by buffoons that are skint, like Madrid. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, in the same way, you know, the way corruption can often... Um, you see corrupt, corruption often when people are pat, lowly paid, but there's a lot of money sloshing about, it's very easy to... To influence people, you look at sort of China's role in geopolitics. Say what they're doing in in Africa and that to spread their influence. It would be perfectly. You could see why um, you could use some bring some influence to bear there. But you know, ultimately, I think the smarter people know football in its current model. I've said on here before. You know, the champions. You know, I think Sky you know, portrays a bogeyman. I think they've done a brilliant job with football. Champions League is a wonderful competition. It's like, yeah, you milk it, but don't overdo it. You yeah. know, you'll you'll ruin well, the product. Let's not forget that Northampton were also taken over by a Chinese company who were very much interested in the educational benefits of Northampton Town in China. I just hope those poor kids, when it all fell through, weren't sort of left crying <laughs> in their classrooms, <laughs> learning about Paul Culpin and uh, Dean Thomas. <laughs> but yeah, we could go on about this all night and it's yeah. in fact as we've been recording i've been reading that they, they said it's not dead and is it barcelona have said that they're still in it is that right oh, just, i think that's right i think i think so i think that's the latest but come on yeah yeah it's a thing that i mean what, die, but... what ian said there about the you know that he heard on the gab and jules show or whatever it's, it's it's about it's just bang on isn't it in terms of mm. the dynamics within that particular um power group i mean the spanish we've known it for years spanish clubs are so hilariously badly run yeah i guess you know we always want cobbers to play as high as possible and a lot of people would love to see cobbers in the premier league but at least we are in a little bit of a haven from all this it's one one benefit of maybe being in the bottom division by the end of the season where but then at the same time we're at the behest of all these people aren't we so yeah, we're not we're not we're not safe from it. But let's move on anyway, because uh, we've been talking about that all night. Let's move on to the Cobblers underrated eleven. We're on to the midfielders now. Got quite a few to read out, but um, we're just basically talking about Cobblers players that were not perhaps um, given the credit they were due and just flew under the radar a little bit. And there's been quite a few midfielders over the year years. Have anyone, have any of you got a player that comes to mind? 
I've got quite controversial when I go for okay. Eddie McGoldrick. For the reason is, I don't think he stood out in that team in the slightest, understandably, perhaps. Um, he was a really, really good player. Um, I don't think he was... Pre- I don't think he was appreciated at the time. I, don't, I think, I think retrospectively, ever was like, oh yeah, him a Goldrick, Palace, Arsenal, Ireland. When he was at the Cobblers, he was a young lad, and I don't think people actually appreciated how good he was. I think he was overshadowed. I remember my sister used to work in a cafe, a sandwich shop in Fish Street, and the manager was a massive Cobblers fan. And he actually used to say how much he hated Eddie McGoldrick. He was rubbish. And he wrote to Graham Carr, said, yeah, you should get rid of him. And when Graham Carr sold him, he wrote back and goes, yeah, I did what you said. Wowzers. I know what you mean with that. Sometimes, you know, an underrated player can be one that you don't realise was really good until they left. Maybe someone like a Stevie Howard, maybe. But um, do you two sort of agree with that one on Eddie McGoldrick? You've probably both seen him play. I didn't get the impression he was underrated. I mean, obviously, we were all a lot younger then. I, I thought, you know, screaming Eddie, Eddie, Eddie as he went down the wing. I, I thought he, he got the love, but he was a fantastic player. I don't forget there's any disagreement on that. Mm. Yeah. Andy may be underrated with his company car because he didn't he have one with Bell's whiskey down the side or Bell's, Bell's, whatever. Bell's. <laughs> the old five Bell's in Kingsthorpe, maybe. <laughs> oh, is that it? was yeah. it. Yeah, Bell's Motors rather than those Bell's Jeroboams of whiskey that um, Graham Carr used to get given every every month. <laughs> basically um well yeah I, I i hear what ian says um and yeah i, I don't know i mean he was always one of my favorites i mean partly because of the partly because of the tash yes we never actually asked him about the tash on the interview because he does come across despite being quite a short guy as i've seen pictures of quite a sort of imposing sort of guy so we were a bit scared yeah. weren't we andy we went, what about the tash did we ask him i don't think we did did we andy nah. too scared nah. and it, it, idea for the off season an all moustachioed 11. <laughs> oh, my word. We're going to need... Oh, my we, word. Kevin Wilson's going to be in there big time. Oh, player manager. Yeah, big time. We're going to need could these ideas, be, so let's not... Could um, he be the last Cobblers player to have a moustache? Oh. Whilst playing? Well, Hoskins is sporting one now, isn't he? Like, um... He's looking like an American film star from the 50s, isn't he? Like uh, yes. Clark Gable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to be fair, yeah. Swashbuckling actor. But we'll, yeah, we'll save that till the off-season because we're going to need it because we've got nothing to talk. It's going to be a baseball update for Martin for the last 45 minutes. <laughs> but, yeah, baseball's uh, be doing a lot of heavy lifting on the Wallach podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, so I'll go through some of the uh, tweeters one. Um, Frank Savage, our very own Irish cobbler. You have to tweet us and let us know where you live in Ireland, Frank, if you're listening. Martin we're like going to be Clonmel, where all our half our Irish players are coming from. <laughs> they all live in the same house. <laughs> uh, he went for Ollie Cahill, friend of the podcast. Um, and, you know, he's a bit of a podcast favourite, Ollie Cahill. Now, Ian, I think you're the only person, maybe you other guys might remember him. It, it was, didn't you say he was constantly on the bench? Yeah. Perennial sub, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 He was like, yeah. The Bradley Sanderman of his of his of the nineties. <laughs> but a useful player and had a very good career in Ireland. So Frank yeah. Savage tweeted us to say I we tweeted, you know, podcast favourite. He tweeted back saying, That's great. 
we brought two young teams to Northampton from, right, uh, Martin, you can help me with this one, Nena, Nina, N-E-N-A-G-H, God knows how you pronounce that, sorry, in 95 to play Northampton Spencer. Ollie Kylie came down to pick man of the match, went home to play with all the top Irish sides, winning five league titles and play in Europe, now play at executive with the PFAI. He said that Ollie was a pretty good judge of talent too. He picked a kid called Trevor Hogan as man of the match. Trevor was our centre-half, but went on to excel in rugby, playing for Munster, Leinster and Ireland. Now, that's pretty cool. Actual athlete, obviously. So, was that someone that played for Northampton Spencer, went on to play for Ireland at rugby? Now, that seems a bit of a story. I'll have to look into that. I don't know quite what it means, unless he's talking about someone in Ireland. It makes more sense. But, yeah, um, Ollie Cahill, you are an underrated cobbler in midfield. Who else have we got? Let's go for... Um, Sully Mann, you always does some good ones. Old Sully, he's gone for Lee Williamson. I think that's a good one. Anyone remember him? Mid centre midfielder, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, I think it, it, it soured a bit for him because he went to Motherwell, which meant he could go on a free because he, it was, he was going somewhere else in the EU, um, because of whatever contractual situation was. But I thought he was a cracking part. I thought he was good at Mansfield, and I can't remember where we got him from. After Sheffield Wednesday gone to, but I thought he was a cracking player. Um, aggressive, you know, it's a bit like a sort of, you know, and I've seen some of the mentions for like so Darren Harmon and that. Someone had that sort of aggression, but was also a really good footballer as well. Yeah, definitely technically very good and sort of player that just sort of doesn't stay at the club long enough for you to really get a handle on him and how good he is. But yeah, solid footballer. So that was a good one. Um, Matt Nichols tweeted us Ryan Gilligan and I completely agree where he's coming from or can see where he's coming from with Gilly because he's was probably that period's uh, Sam Hoskins in that he played for the club for so long that you sort of it sort of dilutes his impact over time and you just come you know familiarity breeds contempt and stuff but as when I spoke to him in the interview it's just clear that he put a real shift in for the club you know he admitted himself he was a hothead at times but Played in some real key games and just quite a good servant for the club overall, I think. What do you reckon? Yeah, he played. He played at a, a quite a, for quite a while, didn't he? He was yeah. a longer-serving player at some uh, at some point. But yeah, I think you sometimes, um, I think Dean Peer might kind of fall into the, the same thing of when you're quite good, you know, you're not exceptional. You familiarity can almost breed a bit of contempt. Yeah. Um, people, I think, become a bit. Um, they miss what you bring into the team. You know, someone like say McCormack, who I think we were all big fans of in the promotion season. He was there for a year, got it done, and went. So you never got tired of him. I think so. If you're not brilliant all the time, I think people then start to think, oh, what if we had someone else in that position? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right, but um, playing in that game against Liverpool was a bit of a box-to-box midfielder and carried the ball really well. And yeah, he was a good he was a good player. And he played in a very probably one of the best Cobblers teams in recent memory. That Stuart Gray side that nearly got into the championship just not too far off. So that was a good one. Um, Gary uh, on Twitter back to 1987 period. He's gone for Warren Donald. He said he went around kicking people while Richard Hill ran a mock. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah, yeah. probably a fair shout, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, say no more. Well done, Gary. You got one into the... Uh... Oh, I'll tell you, do you know, I've got a very good memory of my, 
my dad telling me, I was having a kickabout about my dad in the garden. He was saying, oh, you're a bit quiet when you play. You know, you're a bit of a shrinking violet. And he's going, that Warren Donald, he's not the best player, but he's got such presence and he bosses everyone around. He never stops shouting. He's the loudest player on that pitch. And he should, you know, he should be more like that. I'll never forget that. <laughs> I yeah. don't think, as we all have from that era, looking at photos of that team and those players, I don't think I've ever seen a photo of him. He's always snarling, isn't he? Yeah, he was. <laughs> or like pointing. I, you know, it's before my time, but I've seen photos of him. He's always pointing at something or yeah, shouting or something. Yeah, yeah with, with, not, with squinted eyes. Isn't that true when you were a kid and you're playing football? You always think, well, why are you always shouting? Like, you're no better than me. But then you think, actually, that's part of the game. You've got to have that presence on the pitch. Even yeah, if you're yeah. the best player, you know. You, you do. He, that, you know, the guy who's sending that in, he's absolutely right. You need players like that. I think even when Pete Norton took photos of him in training, he'd just be snarling. Yeah. All the time. I think I was the opposite a, of you, Ian. My dad used to say some... to me that when he came to watch me, he was actually like embarrassed about how I used to shout at people and like try and boss everyone around. So I was the opposite. <laughs> uh, I sort of grew out of it, but yeah. Uh, Warren Donald <laughs> sounds like a pretty useful player. Um, David Scope from Ian Townsend. David Scope. So he was uh, from the northeast, uh, a winger. I remember him. I think he might have made his debut at Crew in the game where their um, their stadium announcer, um, quite at the time, quite amusingly, referred to Paul Culpin as Paul Coupling, which yeah. of course, with it being a railway hub, was um, well, you know, before the internet, that's as funny as life got when you weren't watching the telly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he, he seemed quite quite. Um, he, he set a few, got a few assists, as we say. The, I was going to say set a few up, um, like the old days. But, yeah, I think it's quite good. I don't know if he didn't settle down here or whatever, and he um, made his way back up to North, North East non-league. Mm. I, so, I always um, thought Martin Singleton was a good player. Yes. Yes, very good player. Really good player. Then he did his knee, didn't he? Yeah, it wasn't ever the same after that. No. And again, you know, we, we all know how um, football sort of introduces you to the wider world. Always remember, like, people on the family enclosure calling him Valerie. I said to me, Dad, you know, <laughs> Valerie, why? And then you get to know about Valerie Singleton. <laughs> and, and have a conversation about BBC presenters of the 1970s. <laughs> Just things probably, you learn. Probably better than watching the football sometimes at Cobblers talking about Valerie Singleton. Probably but was. yeah, that was a good one. Um, we'll wrap up in a bit, but Keith Buckby's tweeted us Michael Warner. Now, that is a proper Ian Atkins player. In fact, actually, Ian Atkins did play him that much, as I remember. But uh, Keith Buckby describes Michael Warner or Mickey Warner as under 35, had a degree and not from Birmingham. <laughs> Quite a uh, unique uh, player at Cobblers, being under 35 with a degree and not from the Midlands. Surprisingly, didn't get much of a look in under Atco. <laughs> Went to Stevenage after us, but I always thought he looked decent and didn't get enough game time. Um, winger, wasn't he? Michael Warner? I think so, but as he played very few games. I think um, he might have just... Because would that have been around the time that we would have Mike... Not, I'm trying to think, it was a couple of other weeks. Ali, Ali Gibb. Mm. Yep. And a couple of others. And it might have just been, yeah, he was, he was kind of the odd man out in that position. And I'm... You know, if things had been different, he might have got a couple of full seasons and gone on to, gone on to more because he did seem quite talented. Just yeah. Cool, but didn't see enough of him to say we made a mistake letting him go. 
What was that engine noise? Was that just Ian driving off on his motorbike? Yeah. And uh, that, 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 was a, that was a motorbike in Exxon Brook. <laughs> Riding on the path, Martin. <laughs> uh, sounded like it was on the road behind me. Ian just would Boy, some ruffians from the other end of town, I shouldn't wonder. Dustin boys or Kingthorpe. <laughs> um, yeah, Brendan's dog, the eternal snorer. Um, so yeah, Mickey Ward, they probably sneaks in as a underrated player, to be fair. It's hard to tell when they don't play that much, but that was a good one from Keith. Um, we'll wrap up with one of the other ones. Let's go with Mickey Bell from Gary Waldron. I thought he, he was one of my favourite players at Cobblers in the hotel in days back in the 90s because we didn't have many good players. And he was a winger, Martin. I think he was another from the northeast, wasn't he? But uh, player. Yeah. Old-fashioned. Yeah, well, there were to, to be fair, there were only two good players in in that side. You know, we yeah. got to a point um, both of them end up going, which is Mickey Bell and Poison. someone we haven't mentioned, Steve Brown. Yeah. Um, mm. Cracking pair of players. I think we both went for about 45, 50 grand um, to, to where I think Bell might have gone to Bristol City and um, Brown went to Wickham and then appeared to play, play for them for about 100 years. Yeah, I was looking at an old programme today, funny enough. Got a few in my house. And um, this must have been the time when Steve Brown got sold. I think we were in administration at the time. Don't quote me on that. Um, and they sold him to Wickham. And the Chronicle apparently put it on the back page. Uh, Steve Brown turns his back on the cobblers, something like that. And there was a quite a good piece in the programme about basically sticking up for Steve Brown, saying that he was a really good servant and he didn't really, you know, he didn't want to leave or whatever there to send him to balance the books. And uh, at the bottom it said, we won't be using any of the money for transfers, it will just be maybe a loan. And I was thinking, oh, sounds quite familiar. But yeah. um, Steve Brown, I'm not sure you say he's underrated because I rated him. Most most people rated him, would you say? Don't know. Yeah, they, I don't know. But they Definitely, when you, it's hard to think about Bell without thinking about Brown because they were both bright spots in an otherwise dark time. Mm. But Mickey Bell, yeah, just like you don't really get wingers like that anymore. And um, in those days when there wasn't much trickery on the ball and stuff, he was just a bit of a bright spark. Um, and both of them, like you said, went on to very good careers. Um, they both play for Wickham. Is that, is that right, Martin? I I'm not sure if Bell did. Well, I don't know if Bell might have end, might have ended up there. I think he went to Bristol City originally, but um, let's have a little Google Martin quickly. I I am I am doing that very thing. Michael Bell. Uh, he's now manager at Western League Premier Division club Clevedon Town. Yeah. He is indeed a Geordie, and yes, he he actually did go to Wick. He went to Wickham. Played 118 times, then went to Bristol City and played nearly 300 times. Yeah, that was I some, reckon that that was some career, 605 appearances. I reckon that went back to that yeah. game. Do you remember we played Wickham and Martin O'Neill was a manager in the cup? I reckon we played them and they he spied them both. He at least spied uh, Steve Brown. We definitely played Wickham. I think they probably beat us in the FA Cup early 90s when they were coming up. Do they remember that? Actually. Sure. It might have been the time, sort of around the time we lost against Bromsgrove, Bromsgrove Rovers as well. So we were pretty uh, useless at the time. So, but yeah, that Bromsgrove was ninety um, four, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, that was a bad old time. That was. Um, let's wrap up now, guys. It's been good talking. We don't usually get into too much serious stuff, but talking about the Super League is is important about the way football is going and stuff. And um, we'll be back next week, probably talking much more inane stuff. 
But um, you guys take it easy. Enjoy the uh, the game on Saturday if you can, and we'll speak again soon. <clears throat> Cheers, everybody. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Cheers guys. Cheers, guys. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.